This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. Welcome. We doing all right? Thank you, Vince. I appreciate that. Man, it's always nice to have some type of feedback. You know, otherwise, you're just like, this is, this is cool. So we'll, we'll try again. We doing all right? Yes? No? Good? Okay. Fair? Decent? Excellent. NBA free agency begins tonight. If anybody, no? Okay, cool. Right on. We don't, we don't, we don't need to go there. That's a good, that's a good segue, though, right? Because, because I like basketball. I like the Spurs. I mean, there's, is there, Mark, thank you. Pray, praise be to God. Yep. Um, but I, when I think about sports, when I think about other things, uh, it just makes me think about, uh, as people, we are creatures of praise. Like, we naturally um, praise things that we, we love, we like, that we value, that we think are worth it. Um, our natural creative order is to, is to praise that. And, and not just, yes, inwardly, like, we're going, we're going to praise things, we're going to um, say how good they are, but, but when we really like something, we're going to outwardly, vocally, with others and in front of others, praise those things, right? So Instagram exists because we are creatures of praise, right? We want to praise ourselves. Hello, selfie. So we're going to stick our selfie up there after like the 14th take that we make sure the light and the angle is proper. Um, then we're going to stick that out there for the whole world to see so that we can have praise. Or um, we're going to take a picture of the sunset on the beach and how it's just marvelous. And we're going to stick that out there so that the world can know that we're praising this scenery or whatever, right? And so um, we tell friends and coworkers of this date that we went on or how, how fantastic he is or how, how great she is. Like we, we praise other people. Uh, we celebrate promotions. We, we, we celebrate engagements and babies. And like we, we naturally just, that's how we are as people. We praise things. We praise our favorite sports team. Man, when they do, when they do well, we, we praise that. And when they don't do so well, we, we lament that. Um, but we are just naturally people, creatures who, who praise. Uh, there's a video, I don't know if the lights need to go, uh, yeah, there's a video that uh, I saw the other day, and, and Mike made it for me, or got it, I don't know how to do techno- technological things, and so um, th- this is a great picture, I think, of the natural human response of praise to something that we appreciate and that, that we like. So let's see if we can, real fast, pause it real fast, can we pause it, no? Okay, sorry. So I should, I should queue up. What's, so this is, this is a watch party of, of a, a, a Europe, like a EuroLeague soccer team, right? So they're just, I don't, they're, it's broadcast somewhere. And they're just crowded together watching their, their, soccer, their soccer team, okay? So go again, Robert. My, my apologies. Right? Like that's a, that's a picture of praise. And, and here's my guess. My guess is at some point in life, we've all been a part of something similar, 
right? Whether it's a concert, whether it's a football game, whether it's, you know, just a celebration of, of a, new, a new marriage or something. Like we've been a part where next thing you know, you're hugging someone that you never even met in your life, but you're just so excited about whatever it is that you're, you're moving forward in praise, right? Does that make sense? That's just who we are as, as creatures. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. Right? It's not bad to sing praises of someone that we love or to, to, to praise a job well done. Like, that's a good, that's a good thing. Like, that's, that, that scene right there is not necessarily in and of itself bad. What we miss, though, is that we oftentimes set our hearts, affections, and praise on lesser things, and we miss out on praising what truly matters and, and what is above all worthy of praise, Right? That, that we will we'll throw everything that we have into praising a team or, or praising someone else or praising ourselves. And then when it comes down to praising the one who is truly worthy of all praise, eh, I don't know if we have time, if it's not too, too embarrassing. The, the Psalm 100 that we're going to be in tonight, so if you have your Bible, I invite you to turn there, is a call and an invitation to an unrestrained, joyful praise of the Lord Almighty. And so I just want to read this, and then I want to ask for God to, to do his work through his word, because the reality is there's nothing that I can do as a communicator to adequately communicate why God is worthy of praise. And so I'm just asking that he will do that himself for us tonight. So Psalm 100, a psalm for giving thanks. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth, exclamation mark. I don't typically point out punctuation, but I think that's worthwhile. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness, exclamation mark. Come into his presence with singing, exclamation mark. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. The psalm, it's a, it's a psalm that was often read in a corporate worship setting. It's a, a psalm of praise and thanksgiving. It's a call. It's a command. It's an invitation to come and to worship and praise God joyfully and with an unrestrained passion because he is worth it. We are to praise God because he is God and because he is good. We praise the Lord because he is God and because he is good. That, that's the main point for tonight. And so I just want to invite us as, as a church, as a family, as, as friends, to pray and to ask God that he will open our eyes to see, to see how good he is and how worthy he is of our praise, and that that will compel us and inspire us to give him everything we have. And so would you, would you pray with me? I want to invite you to just, in your own words, in your own heart, ask God to open your eyes to see him, to see how good he is and how, how worthy he is of praise. Lord, we, we gather here, and there's nothing of greater importance, there's nothing of greater worth um, to be praised than you. 
And God, we admit that we are oftentimes captivated by lesser things. And, and Father, my, my prayer for myself and for us tonight is that our eyes will be transfixed by you. And that our hearts will be moved to praise you because there's no one like you and you're worth it. And so would you do that? Holy Spirit, would you speak to us? May you demonstrate your power tonight in our lives. We give praise to you. It's in Christ we pray. Amen. So this psalm is broken down into to two stanzas. So ver- verses 1 and 3 and then verses 4 and 5. And, and you see this first, this call to praise, this call to give thanks, this call to bless. And then the next verse is why, right? So 1 and 2 tell us to, to praise. Verse 3 says why. Verse 4 says praise God. Verse 5 says why, right? And so we get this, this command. And if you just read this, right, if we don't get overly complicated about it, if we don't, you know, try to really think, oh, what is this saying? If we just read this, it is incredibly obvious that this is a, a call to, to just passionately worship and praise God. Like, you, you really can't read it and be like, oh, what, what's he trying to say here? No, he's trying to say, make a joyful noise to the Lord. Like, sing praises to God. It's not really a question of how do we interpret this. It's pretty, it's pretty clear. And so, for the Christian, it's important to know that these verbs are, are the imperative tense. That, that's a command. So if you say tonight that you follow Christ, if you call yourself Christian, this is not an option unless we want to be disobedient to the Lord. These verses are not like, ah, I don't know if I'm really feeling it or if I'm really into it. No, no. If we're going to follow Christ, these verses, this psalm is not an option. If you're not a Christian, I love that it also invites you into that. Right? The first verse, the make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth It's an invitation to all peoples and all nations, to all stories, to all backgrounds, to all walks of life. Hey, come in here, and you have the opportunity to praise the Lord. And so it's it's an open invitation to everyone. Now, I want to point out first the object of this praise, to make sure that that we know who this praise is going to. Right now, this is is not high-level praise. Um, Bible interpretation, I think you probably already know the object of the praise, right? Make a joyful noise to the Lord, right? Little participation, like that would be so good if we got, like, make a joyful noise to the Lord, right? And and so it's like, okay, obvious, but, but let's be honest here. How many times are you like me where if we really get down to the depths of our motives and our hearts, that a lot of times what we're doing here is more for me than it is for God, right? It's more for this emotional feeling that I want to have than it is just for praising the Lord. It's more for, did I get to see people? Did I get to feel good? Did I get to, did I get what I wanted out of worship rather than just throwing our hearts and our passion to the Lord? How many times have you, have you sung a song that way? where you were more concerned with, oh, man, I really wish they would have gone back to the chorus one more time there. Like that would have really hit it. I really wish that this song, I'm just, like I really wish it, oh man, you know? How many times have we had that? We're like, no, no, we're praising the Lord, but really if we strip it all away, it's like, I'm really more concerned about myself in this. 
Or how many times have you been in a, in a church setting or listened to a live album? Live albums drive me nuts sometimes because you get like it's this moment and then you get this like yay who over here is like, I love Jesus, right? And everybody turns and looks at them and it's like, oh cool, so the focus was on the Lord, but now it's on this person who just wants to shout and yell and, and completely de- like just distract everyone from, so it's, it's, it seems obvious, right? Like this is to praise the Lord, but if we're real, so many times, right, what we do here is more about ourselves than it is about the Lord. And let's, let's just be honest, at least, with ourselves. When you were singing these first three songs, were you singing to the Lord? Or were you worried if people heard you and if you were on pitch or if, like, were you genuinely saying, God, your goodness? Like, were you singing to the Lord because he's living and he's active and he's present? Or were you just doing what you do in church because that's what you do at church? Like, it's, it's a simple thought, but it's also incredibly convicting because I know how often my praise and my worship is more so about me than it is to the Lord. We sing, we make a joyful noise to the Lord. Now, I also want to point out here, right, the object, the, the word Lord, at least in my translation, I think in most English translations, um, it's in all caps, right? Is that, is, is that, some of you, is that what you're seeing in your Bibles? So if you see the word Lord in all caps, it, it is the English translating the word Yahweh. So it's not just some, any general Lord. We're making a joyful noise to the Lord, the God, Yahweh of the Bible, this is referencing the covenant-making and the covenant-keeping God of the Bible. The one who from the very beginning said that he was going to come and fix what we broke and did so through the person of Jesus, whose perfect life and death and resurrection is what makes us able to have a relationship with him. That's the Lord that he's calling us to worship. And so it's important for us to know, okay, who is this Lord that I'm worshiping? I need to, the right knowledge of God leads to right worship of God. We're going to have faulty worship if we don't know the Lord that we're worshiping. And so we need to know that this is Yahweh. This is the one true God of the Bible who has made a promise to you and to me that by faith in him, we can have eternal life with him today and for all of eternity. That's the Lord. That's the God that we're worshiping. And so this is what he tells us to do. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. That, that, word, that can also be translated, shout to the Lord with joy. Right, shout, like soccer video, shout to the Lord. Not subdued, chilled, like, I don't know. Like, like make a joyful noise to the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. Right, like this word serve, like we could think like, oh, that means I need to be on the hospitality team or maybe I need to serve with kids. Um, but that, that doesn't fit the context of this psalm. And, and quite honestly, I don't think they had like kids' ministry teams um, back here. So I don't think that's what was thought of when it said serve the Lord with gladness. Rather, it's with everything you have, gladly give yourself to him. Like don't hold back from ministering to the Lord with a glad heart. Give him all of yourself. Come into his presence with singing. Like, you cannot read these verses and say, like, oh, man, the Lord wants me to be quiet. You, you cannot read these verses or the psalms all around it and think, like, oh, man, singing, like the song part, eh, you know, it's a, take it or leave it. 
It's not really my jam. I like the sermon. Like, we don't, we don't get that option. These are the commands to come and make a joyful noise to the Lord. This is the command to unrestrainedly give our hearts in worship to the Lord. Man, we will lose our voices at a concert. We'll, we'll go to AC, ACL. ALC, ACL, sorry, I get those. We'll go to ACL and we'll lose our voices singing along with the crowd and with our favorite band. But then when we come and we sing about our good, good father, we're just kind of like passive and restrained. Like, oh, you know, I don't want to do too much here. And we will lose our marbles at a UT football game or at a basketball game or whatever, right? When our team wins, you win the championship? Are you kidding me? Like, I'll flip a car over, right? Like, we'll go nuts in praising and celebrating our favorite sports team. And then when we sing a song about how our record of sin, that debt has been paid in full, like the full debt of sin against God has been wiped away in Jesus. And we're just like, oh, yeah. Like something is wrong there. Something is wrong in our praise and in our worship when our hearts, emotions, and affections cannot be connected to the God who has given us everything. And it's not an option, y'all. It's not. Because we're called to praise him. Verse four, we see that we're called not only to praise him, but we're called to praise him in this setting. He says to enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. He was giving the imagery of coming to the temple where the church would gather together and worship the Lord. That we're to come together, we're to enter the doors of his church family to praise God. I've been saying this a lot frequently, that this gathering is not an option if you want to follow Jesus. And I say that because we are increasingly entering into a world where the corporate Sunday gathering is just not that high on the priority list. And so, like, if we can fit it in or if there's nothing else happening, then we'll do so. But, like, if I'm really tired, I'm just going to sleep. Or if I need to go out of town, like, that's cool, too. Like, I can just skip. Like, we live in a world where people, I heard another pastor say this, and, and I was like, really? And I started looking around. I think it's accurate. We, we live in a world where the church will be present 50% of the time and yet think they are 100% committed. Like 50% of the time, and yet they're 100% committed. I promise you, if I only go home 50% of the time, my family will not think I'm 100% committed to them. Right? And yet we want to just be like, oh no, it's okay. Like it's, no, that is not how God designed it. That we are to come together. We are to enter into his presence, into his, his special presence among his church, and to give thanks, and to give praise, and to bless his name here. This matters. It absolutely matters. And it's obedience to the God that we say we follow. And so this is what we're invited to. And so we have to ask the question, is this how I'm praising the Lord? Like personally, am I making a joyful noise to the Lord? Am I singing praises to him? Am I thanking him and blessing him? Is this how I praise the Lord? Is this as a church, is this what it looks like? If someone came in here and they had no background in faith, but they saw the words we sang and then they looked at us, what would they think about the God that we're singing about? Like we have to ask ourselves that question. Would they think that soccer is more impressive than the God that we're worshiping? Would they think that, that our, our favorite margaritas are more worthy to celebrate than the Lord of the, of the Bible? 
Would they think that, that tickets to ACL and our favorite band is more worthy to get excited about and passionate about than the God that we're singing to? I think this psalm may, it makes us ask that question. Now, I get that everybody's style is different. Right? Like, I, I understand that. I understand that some people, like, you're 100% into it, and it just, it just looks, you just on the outside, it, you wouldn't know. So I understand this isn't saying like, oh, you have to do this. You have to raise your hands. You have to close your eyes, right? Pretty soon, then you just all end up being like this, right? And you're kind of looking around, see what everybody else is doing. And it's not, God is, God is not interested in inauthentic worship. Man, he, he, he condemns that over and over and over again. So he's not interested in this fake, inauthentic worship. Man, sometimes you come in here and your life is straight broken, and it takes everything you have to show up. God's not expecting for you to, to just be like, you know, flip a switch and, and, and everything's different, right? Like, man, Job, that man lost everything. I don't think he was giddy, but yet he still said, blessed be your name. He still praised and gave worship to the Lord. And, and so I don't think there's this, it has to look a certain way. But I do think we need to look at our lives and say, man, I'm a, I'm a creature of praise. Does my praise for lesser things, is it greater than my praise for God? Am I more willing to devote my heart and my energy and my love to, to a sport than I am to the God of this world? I think we've got to ask ourselves that question. I think more often than not, the reason we don't praise like this is, is more so it's our own personal preferences. We care more about, man, did I like that song? Did I like the band? Is the sermon good? Like, are these preferences things that I, that really resonate with me? Then we do just in giving our hearts to the Lord. I, I'm, I'm, I'm guilty. I'm, I'm right there with you. So I think we've got to ask that question. So, But more than preference, here, here's what I think it comes down to. The only reason we won't praise God with our hearts, make a joyful noise, sing, so the only reason we'll hold back is if we haven't truly seen the God that we're worshiping. That, that if our hearts are not moved to praise, I gotta believe it's because we've lost sight of the Lord behind the praise. Does that make sense? Like if we're not moved to praise this God, I've got to believe it's because we've taken our eyes off of him and we're not truly seeing him for who he is, which is why the, psalm, the psalms give us the why. Why do you worship like this? Why do we praise God? Why do we let our hearts loose? Because when we truly see who God is, we truly see who the Lord is, then our hearts are moved to praise. That it's not based on my feeling or it's not based on a song or it's not based on other circumstances that my praise is connected to me truly seeing who the Lord is. And when I see who he is, I can't help but then respond in praise. When my eyes are truly fixed on the God of this Bible, then praise naturally follows. And so I've got to believe that if we're struggling with praise, it's because our eyes are not fixed on him. It's because we're more concerned with the things around us, the horizontal circumstances, than we are with the vertical God of this world. 
And so the Psalms gives us why. Why do we praise God? Who is this God that we're called to praise? The first thing we see is verse 3. He says, come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. We praise the Lord because he is God. Because he is the ultimate supreme authority. I truly believe that every person believes in a God. It's just a matter of which God. It's just a matter of what or who is the ultimate supreme authority. Because as people, we're going to praise that which we think is ultimate. That's what we think is, is greater than us. So this, this first reason for why we praise God is a reason of positioning. That simply because he is God and he is ultimate and he is the supreme authority, he is worthy of our praise. He is bigger and he is greater and he is more awesome than us and that deserves our praise. We do that naturally as it is, right? If, if, if Matthew McConaughey walks in here, I say that because he lives in Austin, right? Like what are we gonna, we're naturally gonna be like, oh my gosh, let me get a picture with him. Because there's something about this celebrity status that, that makes us naturally think like, okay, dude, like you're, you're more famous than me. I'm going to praise you in some sort. Famous athlete comes into town, right? You want to you get their autograph. Because when we recognize someone or something that's bigger than us, we naturally want to lift them up. We, we want to be, we, we know our position. When you, when you go drive to Colorado and you're driving to the Rockies, you can't help but realize how small you are in comparison to this range of mountains. And, and so we naturally, we just kind of go, man, wow, that's incredible. It, it's this posture of position. When we know something is bigger than us, our, we naturally praise it. Well, the Bible is saying that the Lord is worthy of our praise because he is God. He is the top. He is ultimate. He is bigger and greater than anything else that we can imagine. And so he's worthy of our praise. Psalm 95, it's almost identical to this psalm. It says, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our, our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise for the Lord, because the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. We come and we worship God because he's bigger and greater than everything. He created all of this. How, how, how crazy is it to worship the created rather than the creator? Right? How crazy is it to worship the created rather than the creator? Romans 1 says that's where we go wrong, is when we start to worship the created rather than the creator. You don't stand in front of a beautiful painting and praise the painting for painting itself because it didn't paint itself. You praise the artist who created the painting. And you marvel at the painting. Man, this thing is incredible. But again, praise goes to the, to the artist, not the art. And, and so when, you, when we know that God has created us, that he is above us, that he is greater than us, he is worthy of our praise simply because of that. Simply because of that. One, one of my favorite quotes is uh, by a man named Charles Misner. Uh, he was a specialist in general, uh, general relativity theory. Don't ask me what that means. Um, that's just what he was a specialist in. Uh, but he was asked, he was a personal friend uh, of Albert Einstein. And so he was asked he was about, about Albert's you know, faith. Because a Einstein was known to be a religious person, but he, he didn't want to go to church. He wasn't interested in the, the gathering of the church. And so um, Misner was asked, like, hey, what, what, what do you think about Al's attitude toward, toward the church? 
He said this, I see the design of the universe has, a, has essentially a religious question that is one that should have some kind of respect and awe for the whole business. He's talking about creation and design. He says it's very magnificent and shouldn't be taken for granted. In fact, I believe that is why Einstein had so little use for organized religion, although he strikes me as a basically very religious man. He must have looked at what the preachers said about God and felt they were blaspheming. He had seen much more majesty than they had ever imagined, and they just were not talking about the real thing. My guess is that he simply felt the religions he had run across did not have a proper respect for the author of the universe. We praise all these things, and that's not bad. But yet we don't give our ultimate praise to the creator of these things, to, to the one who created you and me, it says. We are his creation. He made us. He, he, he created us. We're, we're meant to praise him in return. He's worthy of it. We are the sheep of his pasture. I asked this question two weeks ago and went through Psalm 23, who has more value, the shepherd or the sheep? The shepherd. The shepherd is intrinsically more valuable than the sheep. He is more valuable than us. It is a posture of pride when we hold back our praise of the creator of all things. As the creation, we're designed to praise our creator. And so that is why we praise him, because he is creator, because he is God. But the second reason we praise him is because he is incredibly good. He's not just some distant, powerful God forcing his way on everything. He is incredibly kind and good to each and every one of us. That's what it says in verse 5. So if we keep reading, even enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name, because the Lord is good. Because he is good. Praise him because he is good. So what makes something good? I started thinking about that. Like, what, like maybe you're like, I don't, I don't know this God. Why is he good? What makes something good? So something is good for, for two reasons, objectively and subjectively. So objectively, something can just be good because of what it is. So as I was thinking about this, I don't know if I was hungry or what. It was like fajitas, right? Like what, what makes fajitas good? Like objectively, they can be good if if they're done right, if you, you use steak or chicken, right, and you, you actually cook it, it doesn't look like soup or something, right? Like, so a fajita can just be, all right, that's good, that's done well. But what makes a fajita good to me and good to you is when you actually eat the fajita and your taste buds are like, yep, there it is, that is good, right? So it can objectively just be good by its characteristics and its attributes, but then subjectively it's good based on what it does for us and to us. So God is good simply because he is the Lord God. He is good, period. And so he's worthy of our praise. But why is he good to you and to me? Subjectively, why should you care? Why is he good to you and to me? He says, because his steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. The Lord is good because he has a steadfast, enduring love for you and for me. And because from the very beginning to the very end, he is true and faithful to every single word. 
Man, I'm, I'm floored by this phrase, steadfast love. Like, it just, it doesn't stop. It's this love that keeps going and keeps going and keeps going and keeps going, and it never stops. I've got limits, right? Like, I, I've got limits. My, my love, it, it can probably be taken away from you. Like, maybe one day it'll come back, but it's, it's not all that enduring. There's things you could do to me that I'm probably not going to love you so much. Right? I'm, I'm guessing you're probably the same. Someone attacks you, someone comes at, at your family, someone, someone hurts you. It's probably true that you're going to pull your love back. Now, maybe one day you'll give it back, but I don't know. But God's love is steadfast and it endures for you and for me and it never goes away. God's love is his choice to set on us. We see over and over again in the Bible that it's not because we're worthy of it. It's not because we're these incredible people. Like, oh my gosh, like, I've got to love them. It's not like when you, when you meet someone and you see someone and you're like, I'm falling in love with them, right? Like, I just can't get enough of that person because they have things and they do things that you like. According to the Bible, we got nothing to offer God. Like we, all we do is, is reject him and walk away. All we do is choose our own way. All we do is betray God, and yet he chooses to set his love on us and to never take it away. It is a steadfast, enduring love for you and for me. Let that be personal right now. I don't know, I don't know what you think about yourself, but just know that God's steadfast love is set towards you. And that makes him good. And that his faithfulness endures forever. From Genesis 3 on, God has said that he would come to fix what we broke. And he will fulfill his word. Hebrews said that God, he he cannot lie. It's impossible for God to lie. So when he says something, he is, he's bound to that word based on his good characteristics. So when he says that his steadfast love is going to endure, because he is faithful, his steadfast love is going to endure. When he says that he is your peace, because he is faithful and he's bound to his word, he's going to be your peace. When he says that he's never going to leave you or forsake you, because he is faithful, he's never going to leave you or forsake you. He's bound to his word, because he is faithful and he's good. So Again, I think it's really easy to read this and to just wonder, okay, how how does this this matter to me? What does this mean for my life? And we see that Jesus is the evidence of God's love for us. Jesus is the evidence of God's faithfulness to us. Jesus, he is the creator of this world We were created by him and for him, and the creator of this world stepped out of heaven and came and lived among us to serve us. That he is the good shepherd, that while there's an enemy seeking to steal, kill, and destroy, Jesus is the good shepherd that came to bring us to abundant life. And and we see God's steadfast love for us through Jesus. So Romans 5, it says this, It says, for while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us. In that while we were still sinners, 
while we were actively opposed to him, while we were actively betraying him, while we were actively doing harm to him, while we were actively choosing ourselves over him, that is when he demonstrates his love by Christ coming to die for us. And so we know his steadfast love because Jesus came to us while we were still sinners to do the work to make us right with God. That is how we know, that is how you and I know. You and I are just like Adam and Eve. We've walked away from God. We've chosen our own way. In selfish pride, we've said, God, I got this. I can do my own thing. I know you say this, but I'm going to do this. Every one of us has done that. And we're all in need of a rescue. And God's love is demonstrated for us in that Christ came to rescue us while we were still sinners. That's how this matters to you, is that his love is for you and it's for me and it makes him good and worthy of our praise. That our full record of debt and sin was settled in Christ. And that he is faithful to complete the work that he began in us. Jesus is the evidence of that faithfulness. That is how Psalm 100 matters to us. That is how it translates culture and time, is that Jesus is still living and active today, and he is the evidence of God's love for you and faithfulness to you. And that makes him good and worthy of our praise. So there's nothing I can do to convince you of this. Like, I can't I can't change our hearts. I can't make you praise God. But what I do know is that you know now that we are commanded to praise him. We are commanded to sing songs of praise to the Lord, to make a joyful noise to him. And the reason we can rejoice in that is because he is God and he is good. And when we in humility are willing to take our eyes off ourselves and look up and see how great he is and yet still he moves near to love us, then I do not believe our hearts can be kept quiet and we will praise him for who he is. So that's my prayer for us, is that because of who he is, because he is God, because he is good, that our eyes will be open to see him and that we will not restrain the praise that is due to him. We will not hold back the blessing that he deserves. That we will open our mouths and declare the thanksgiving to the God who loved us and made us his own. That's my prayer for us as a church. So let's pray together. God, i just asking you to, to show yourself to every person in this room. That our hearts in love for you, in response to what you've done for us through Jesus, our hearts will be moved to praise you. And that when we don't, or we don't want to, that we will be moved to confess and to repent. And to see that you are inviting us back to an unrestrained, joyful praise of you. God, we confess and we lay down our pride and that we oftentimes come gather um, for ourselves and what we can get out of it rather than just what we can give to you because you're worthy. 
Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church Podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.